Chapter 6 The Chase By the time Pete had put the two big stakes Uncle Lem had given him into the covered pail and had weighed it down in the creek to keep cool, he heard a horse approaching and he looked up and saw Hatsy. That blamed coyote moor busted off fence again, Hatsy fumed. I just saw him riding off south on Bridger, Pete replied. We gotta teach that guy some manners, Hatsy said, and then he added thoughtfully, Seems to me he's doing a fair amount of riding for a man who's supposed to be taking a rescue. I don't know, Pete said, but maybe we ought to look for the Mustangs while we know the fence is all in one piece. We'd just be wasting our time, Hatsy said. You know the best time to start after them is early in the morning before they're coming for water. Then we'll have a full day ahead for working them around into the trap. I know you're anxious about them, son, but we want to do this right. Are we just going to sit around all day? Pete asked, disappointed. It occurs to me that we might kill some time by having a look at that Moore's camp and find out what kind of a housekeeper he is. I'd a rather pay him a social call while I'm doggone sure he ain't at home. Do you think there's a chance of finding his camp? Pete asked skeptically. There's a lot of country up here. Remember where he broke through the south wing of the trap? Hatsy answered. Well, let's see if we can follow his trail back from there. Pete was amazed at the signs that Hatsy could read as they picked up Moore's tracks at the string fence and started up the mountain. There were, of course, hoof prints here and there where the horse had crushed a scarlet Indian paintbrush to the ground. Sometimes there was nothing but that Pete could see, and yet Hatsy kept on going. How do you know you're on the trail? Pete asked. I don't always know, Hatsy said. I just let Raindrop do the work for me a good bit of the time. Moore doesn't know this country, and he's got to let Bridger pick his way. A good horse will find the easiest path for most of the part, but that's what Raindrop's doing. Look there now. See that rock with no lichen on it, like the others? It's been turned over recently. Rocks ain't like Mexican jumping beans. They don't turn over by themselves. Half an hour later, Hatsy let out a snort and pointed at the ground. There was a cigarette stub lying amongst some rocks near a bed of dry pine needles. Just a plain fool's luck. If that hombre don't watch where he throws his coffin nails, he'll start a forest fire. A few yards, hundred yards further, Pete yelled, Hey, it looks like a car's been in here. They had reached a place on the mountainside where there was a kind of shelf of grassy land that swung off to the south. There, plainly visible, were parallel lines where the rough grass had been crushed down. Only some kind of car or truck could have made those lines. Look like things are going to get thicker before they get thinner, Hatsy said. Pete grinned and they rode on, following the tracks to the left. They soon rounded the base of a ridge, and there in front of them stood two tents set in the deep shade of trees near a spring where a small stream tumbled off down the mountain. A loud bray from a burrow tethered nearby greeted them. Looks like we came to the right address, Pete said. Moore keeps a neat camp, too. I wouldn't have expected it from a guy with a city hat who throws away cigarette stubs in the woods. Hatsy nodded his head. 
I'm beginning to think there's more than bone that keeps your ears apart, son. They dismounted near the first of the trees and lifting the flap looked into the tent at a cot made up neatly, a duffel bag, a folding table with tin dishes on it, a camp chair, boxes of canned goods, and a small canned heat stove. Hanging from the ridge pole were several pots and pans for cooking. He sure didn't pack this stuff in on a burrow, Pete remarked. The car that came in here must have had quite a load. Let's have a look at the other tent, said Hatsy. The other tent held only a small, sturdy table pounded together out of planks and a heavy wooden box with a padlock on it. Dauntest camp setup I ever saw, said Hatsy, and I've seen plenty. Look like he's living alone, but only one cot. So why does he need two tents and two tables? Maybe he's fixing the place up to have company later. Let's go, Pete suggested. He'd had enough of Moore and Moore's weirdness. The thing that really interested him was the Mustangs and the horse trap. Moore could live as he pleased as long as he quit bothering the string fence. Hey, wait, I've got an idea, Pete said suddenly. Let's leave a note telling the guy we don't care if he goes through the string, but he's got to tie it up after he's broken it. He might spoil our whole plan. Okay, you ride it, Hatsy said. Pete got a piece of charcoal from Moore's outdoor campfire and scrawled on the tabletop. Please tie the string fence after you break it. This is important. Thanks. I mightn't have been so polite, Hatsy remarked. But I guess he'll get the point. On the ride back toward the camp, Pete kept looking out at the dunes whenever they showed through the trees, hoping to see the Mustangs again. There's just a chance they'll be back around this neck of the woods early in the mornings, Hatsy said at last. After you get some chuck, you might come up long about here. You can set up a good view, bring your blankets, and sleep out. Then you'll be ready to move if you should see them at the daybreak. You'll be above them, so you can head them right into the trap. When they had finished off the beefsteak and donuts that Aunt Claire had sent, Pete tied his roll of sugans and his slicker behind the cantle of the saddle and, and mounted Raindrop. Calling out a last piece of advice, Hatsy said, Don't make a fire. That might send the Mustangs clear across the dunes. Take it easy going up the hill. I'll go to the Box Canyon tomorrow on the chance you've got some luck. It was moonlight before Pete reached the point above the dunes where he could watch for the horses. There, as he munched a cold biscuit, he looked over the great mysterious waste. A brisk wind was stirring the dunes into life and a low steady moan came from the sand as the wind took up its endless work of shifting it from one place to another and then back again. Along the crests, sand waved in the wind like the manes and tails of huge horses. Pete could see how the old legend got started about the giant webfoot animals racing there on moonlit nights. But tonight, there were really might be horses out there. If he could only see them, and in the morning perhaps he'd be racing them. A coyote howled. Its lonesome wail made Pete feel more alone and far away than he'd ever thought anyone ever could feel. He had heard coyotes before back on the ranch and in camp with Hatsy, but then it was different. Hatsy had snorted in disgust when the long, sliding cry had broken the night. A lot of noise, little wit, he grumbled. I often wonder what those cowardly sneaks think they're scaring with their racket. 
Everybody knows they wouldn't jump or anything with more fight in it than a lamb. But there the cry was, and it sent shivers down Pete's back. He lay down in his blankets with raindrop tethered close by, but he could not sleep. A rabbit thumping along startled the horse who snorted and stomped his iron-clad feet in the coarse gravel. Little strange noises nearby kept breaking through the steady moan of the dunes, but finally Pete dozed off. When he woke, it was pitch black. The moon was gone, and he was stiff and chilly. For a minute, he couldn't even see Raindrop standing asleep there. But soon his eyes made out his light hindquarters, and Pete somehow felt reassured. He shivered and turned over, with his face out toward the valley where he knew he would see the first slanting rays of dawn. When dawn did come, it first lit a peak in the San Juan Mountains which made the western wall of the San Luis Valley. Then, so fast you could see the light driving the darkness before it, the night fled down the mountains and eastward across the valley floor. Almost before he could roll his blankets and get the saddle on raindrop, sunlight had spilled down onto the dunes. And there, close enough for a good look, were the beautiful young stallion and about twenty other mustangs walking warily across the sand in the direction of the creek, just as Hatsy had predicted. Pete was downwind from the horses, and the moan of the dunes and the squeaking of the sand under their big hooves would keep them from noticing him, he hoped. He rode down toward the dunes, keeping between a ridge out of sight of the band as it moved nervously towards water. Twice he caught a glimpse of them trotting along ahead of him off the dunes now, just where he wanted them. If they kept on in that direction, he would soon be able to head them into the trap. Raindrop slipped and skidded as he struggled up a steep slope in the sand until he finally got steady footing on a ridge. There ahead were the Mustangs. Leading the mares and colts was the old stallion, and close by the young stallion trotted with swift, sure motions. Pete liked the spirited way he held his handsome head as he paused occasionally to glance around. This would be a mount that he could be proud of. Pete was determined to get him for his own, maybe even today. But the sight of the Mustangs was too much for Raindrop. He whinnied. The wild horses turned in interest, then seeing Pete astride Raindrop, they loped off towards the woods and the creek. Pete dropped back down behind the ridge, urged Raindrop off the dunes as fast as his small feet could carry him, and then turned into the woods behind the band. There, over the rough ground, he made as good a time as he could but the horses were keeping a sharp lookout for him. The stallion in the lead stopped every once in a while and looked back. So far everything was going according to plan, but now came the biggest job of all. Pete had to turn the Mustangs toward the trap. The danger was that they would get too far ahead and dash back into the sand. Pete had to close the distance between himself and the herd. Raindrop picked his way carefully down a steep slope and broke into a gallop. Pete tried to urge him ahead faster. The Mustangs were out of sight amongst the cottonwoods and willows along the creek. Maybe Pete could keep up with them and stay on their left, frighten them away from the dunes. As he climbed another ridge, he caught sight of the band again. There, almost a quarter mile ahead, they stood poised as if undecided whether they were still being followed, and if so, which way to run. Pete drove Raindrop on. He had to turn the band. Throwing caution to the winds, he waved his hat frantically, but he was too late. The band broke and ran with incredible speed right back toward the dunes. They were there in a second, and they did not seem to slow up as soft sand replaced hard mountain earth and rocks beneath their hooves. 
Raindrop hadn't a chance in the world of turning them now. With a feeling of utter dismay, Pete watched them disappear into the dunes. It might be days now before he would have another chance as good. The Mustangs had sought protection in the sand where they alone could go with ease. Pete had lost the race.